Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Acts, chapter 4, verse 15. Obey God over men. Christianity teaches a hierarchy of submitting to authorities. We obey the authorities of God first, and then the authorities of men second. Law and order have been established and ordained by God, but his laws override the laws of men when in conflict. God takes priority. His word, his edicts, his commands, they trump those of men. Uh, The laws of the land, uh, traditions, edicts will sometimes conflict and come into contradiction with the laws of God. God takes precedence. We have certain unalienable rights, right? Uh, Given to us liberties and freedoms guaranteed to us by God himself. And sometimes men and governments and tyrants try to take them away from us. I see in the Old Testament where believers are in conflict with governments, where God's people must commit civil disobedience and break the laws of the land and not follow the laws of government and dictators and kings and queens. I was thinking of the great deliverer Moses. And he comes into conflict with the great Pharaoh of Egypt, right? Let my people go. And he battles and conflicts with the laws of Egypt and sets God's people free. I was thinking of Daniel brought into exile with the laws of what the Medes and Persians, right? And King Darius, who sets up a new law that you can no longer pray to Yahweh, to your God, Daniel, for 30 days you must pray to me. But Daniel goes to the roof of his chamber, opens the windows, and as is his custom, he prays to the true God three times a day, and he's thrown into the lion's den because he breaks the laws of the great king. I was thinking of the prophet Elijah, who goes into battle and conflict with Israel's king Ahab and Queen Jezebel, and he fights their pagan prophets and puts them to death. And of course, you remember Elijah running from the threats of Queen Jezebel. The famous movie and book, the story, The Hiding Place, where Corey Ten Boom and her family break the laws of Germany by illegally harboring, hiding, and smuggling the Jews 
from being captured, uh, sent to Hitler's concentration camps, and being put to death. And of course, Cori Ten Boom and her family are captured for breaking the law, incarcerated in the same concentration camps, all of them put to death, but Cori escapes to tell the story as God wants us to know the hiding place. Overcome human opposition. Let's read it, Acts chapter 4, verse 15. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, our great apostles, Peter and John, are being escorted out away from the council, the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of the Jews. As the council plots and discusses, what are we to do with these guys? We've got to fix this mess. Everybody's converting to this new way. Christianity, uh, Peter's last uh, sermon, after healing the lame beggar, he preaches this is his springboard. And now 5,000 more converts are joined to Christianity. Joining the 3,000 from Pentecost, Peter preaches his first sermon. Now we have 8,000 and counting. They began to confer with one another. They're plotting, they're planning. It is the smoke-filled uh, back room deals as great and powerful politicians, world leaders, uh, tyrants, authorities, religious leaders plot against Christ and his people, even his apostles. Verse 16, saying, What shall we do with these men? What are we to do with this dynamic duo? Peter, right, the leader of the apostles, John, Jesus' closest disciple, they are the pillars. They are two of the three of the inner circle of Jesus' great apostles. For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. We know it's for real. The miracle was true blue, bona fide. We all know this lame beggar who sits at the golden gate of the holy temple, always begging for alms every day. The priests know it. The worshipers know it. Hundreds have witnessed his healing. And now this great sermon of Peter has brought 5,000 more believers because of the healing, because of the word of God, and the powerful Holy Spirit sermon of our great apostle. Verse 17. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, 
let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. We have to stop this spread. This new faith, this Christianity is spreading through the city of Jerusalem. And yes, it will spread to the ends of the earth. But one religion battling another, Judaism wants to stomp out the Christian faith. It's spreading among the people. Now thousands have joined the new formed church, the first church in Jerusalem, which is Jewish. We have to order them. We must command them. We'll make it law. They can no longer speak this name. This name will be forbidden. What was it? Harry Potter's evil villain, Voldemort, the name that shall not be named. Have you ever spoken the name of Jesus and you got a reaction? Don't speak that name in this place. We forbid you. When I've witnessed to Jews, I don't want to hear that name, Jesus. That offends me. Do not speak that name in this household, in this workplace, in this classroom, in this secular setting, in this government, right? They try to ban the name of Jesus Christ. I was invited by the Boy Scouts to do their opening prayer. And as I always pray as a Christian minister, I ended my prayer, and in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And boy, I got jumped. And the parents of the Boy Scouts say, how dare you pray that name? Why don't you just pray in the name of God? And I said, because I'm a Christian and my God is Christ and I pray in his name. You knew I'm a Christian minister. This is how I pray. This is how I preach. This is who I am. And I'm not changing for you. Verse 18. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. No more sermons, Peter. No more teachings. You spread your teachings, the teachings of Christ throughout the city, throughout the land. It must stop. No more preaching. No more teaching. No more witnessing in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, right? It is that name that brought the healing to the lame man. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. Our great leader, the rock, Peter, what does he say? You judge for yourself. Is it more important to obey God or to obey men? To obey Christ or to obey your parents? To obey your heavenly father or to obey your bosses? To obey the governor and the president or to obey God's word. You be the judge. Realize who's on top, 
Who is the ultimate authority? Is it God's voice or men's voice? Is it the writings of God or the writings of men? Who trumps who? Who is the hierarchy? Who is on the top of authorities? None other than God the Father himself. Verse 20, For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. The news is too good. I cannot hold the gospel in. I must tell you what Jesus has done for me. There were even healings where Jesus himself told those healed, Now that I healed you, don't go and tell anybody. Keep a lid on it. And they couldn't hold it in. And they told everybody about Jesus. And the crowds got so big, so massive, Jesus had to leave the various villages and move on and start all over again. 21. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people. There was no evidence. They had broken no real laws. Except this new rule, right? Don't preach Jesus. But they confessed to them, we're going to break this new rule. We're, we're going to keep speaking and teaching and spreading Jesus. We cannot hold it in. And the people know that Jesus is for real. They've seen uh, the glory of God. They've seen the miracle of the lame beggar being healed at the Golden Gate. They've heard the powerful gospel message and they have come to believe by the thousands because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. The people are giving glory to the Father They've witnessed a real healing, a real miracle, a real message, giving them the gospel. Verse 22. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Have you witnessed a real miracle? Have you known someone who was sick, handicapped, crippled, blind, deaf, dumb, and they've been in that state for many years. They were your family member, your friend, your acquaintance, and when they got their healing, you saw it with your own eyes. You know them. You know their background. You know it wasn't fake and phony. I was thinking of the old movie Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. And he plays a phony and fake faith healer. Uh, and he uses all his tricks and gadgets in his ears. And he has his cronies in the crowds. And they fool people. And they have people pretend to uh, get their healings. And they use all their devices. Uh, and he goes overboard, right, with the glitz and the glamour and his big tent revivals and 
fleecing the flock, trying to get money as a phony faith healer. But then he knows the little boy who's crippled in his wheelchair. This poor teenage boy had been in the state for a long time. He's the real deal. And he wants his healing. And the phony faith healer knows I cannot heal him. And he refuses to try to heal the little boy because he knows he's fake and phony. And it's when the little boy comes to the cross of Jesus Christ, when he prays, when he comes to the Lord for his healing, that he rises up and he walks as Jesus heals him. And when the fake, phony faith healer, Steve Martin, witnesses the power of the real Jesus, he packs up, he closes shop, and he stops his fake and phony ministry when Jesus comes to town and shows up in power and glory. Verse 23. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. The apostles returned to the church. They've been praying. They've been worshiping. They've been waiting. And now their great leaders come back to the assembly. And they get a report and they hear the good news, and they want to know, what happened, Peter? John, tell us, how did the trial go? We've been praying for you. Verse 24. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, The church is blessed. They're excited about the good news. Their apostles are safe and sound and back home with the assembly. And the church gathers together in unity and in prayer. And here is what they pray. O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Now in my Bible, they italicize the font to show me that this Scripture verse has come from another place in the Bible, from the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. They acknowledge God as the creator. He made heaven, earth, sea, and everything else. Verse 25, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said. The church is praying scriptures. They know the book of Psalms, and now again, the italicized font, uh, taking scriptures from Psalms chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, written by, of course, King David. Why did the Gentiles rage, and the peoples devise futile things? Right, the great leaders come against God. They come against his Christ, his king, whom he will install. The power brokers plot against God and his church and even his Christ, right? 
They want to break the cords, the chains, the fetters that tie God to the planet Earth. They want to get rid of religion and Christianity and God from ruling and reigning over us. If the politicians could vote, yes, they would close heaven. <laughs> they would uh, try to replace God and pull him down from his throne. But I'm afraid to no avail. Humanity will never defeat God. He rules and he reigns on high. Verse 26. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. His anointed one. Yes, it is the Lord Jesus Christ showing up in the Old Testament. God has sent his only son to earth, and earth has tried to cast him out of the field, from the farm, right? It was the renters have tried to throw out the owner's son. But Jesus will rule and reign. He will rise from the dead. He will come back again, and he will take over the planet Earth. And I'm sorry, but these great power brokers and rulers of Earth, kings and queens, princes, dictators, and even presidents, they will not get rid of Jesus. It is government versus God. Destroy the Bibles, burn them. Burn down the churches, arrest the believers, remove the crosses, and silence the witnesses. Verse 27. For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, and this is our famous King Herod Antipas, Tetrarch of Galilee and Perea, and Pontus Pilate, the Roman procurator installed by Caesar himself, along with the Gentiles, the Roman soldiers, and the people of Israel, the Sanhedrin, the priesthood, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the, the Jews of Judaism. The mobs have gathered and they've screamed out, crucify, crucify him. Shall we crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. Do you remember the mobs crying out? You know, and Pilate's like, shall I crucify your king? Who shall I release, Barabbas or Jesus? Release unto us Barabbas. But what shall I do with Jesus? Crucify, crucify him. Verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. It was more than the free will of men. It was the sovereign will of God. It was predestined. It was prophesied that God would give his only son, that Jesus would be the Lamb of God, 
Isaiah, that he would take our sins, he would be pierced through for our iniquities. The lashes upon his back by his wounds, we will be healed, right? The prophets, God's plan will unfold and no one will stop it. And God uses the humans of earth as little pawns on his divine chess set. God is in control. God has a plan and a purpose, even when you don't understand it. 29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. The church is praying before they witness. They're praying for God's unction, anointing, empowering. They need the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.